show, I often poke fun at how the main characters of Pokemon tend to be a bit navigationally challenged. And it's not just Ash, like all of them tend to get lost a lot. And that has gotten significantly less uh, since the introduction of the Pokenavi. And we see in this Hoenn season a lot less of the seriously, I have no idea where we are moments. Um, none of that nonsense that was in Kanto, like, you know, remember back when I was actually trying to map out where these kids were going? Like, that was insane. They couldn't travel in a straight line to save their lives. With the Pokenavi, they tend to travel more or less on course, hit all the towns in the order they're supposed to without too many wacky side trips. And even with that one week-long road trip of theirs where they should have ended up in the ocean somewhere, they still made it back by the end of the movie, so... <laughs> They're traveling on course, more or less, but, you know, apparently with no regard to signage or legal roads. Like, they're, they're not lost, just a whole lot more trespassing <laughs> is going on in this region. So I poke a little fun at them. However, during my vacation, I was hit in the face with some humble pie... I believe the saying is people in glass Toyotas should not throw Pokenavs, something like that. But trying to get back home from my family visit and camping in the mountains, I, I left straight from the campsite and I had a map, thought I knew where I was going, and for the most part did, but spaced on one of my turnoffs and for the rest of the drive was like, that road looks nice, it's going vaguely south, the worst that could happen is I'll hit the Mexican border and have to turn around. <laughs> I made it back eventually, all was well. Had a few fun side adventures, but yeah, I made the drive to my parents' house so many times in life, I could do it in my sleep. It was kind of a cruel reminder that when I'm traveling on other highways, uh, I actually have to pay attention. So for the next little while, Ash and the team get a pass on their navigational fails. In the meantime, welcome to Peacappy Podcast, a Pokemon anime podcast that feels such kinship to these characters that I can't even go on vacation without emulating all of their worst tropes. I love Pokemon, like, a lot, and it's totally non-ironic love watching Ash Ketchum grow up in capability, if not actual candles on a cake, brings me serious joy like no other. So I podcast about it, and today we are covering... An episode that will have you seeing double vision maxed out. But first a word from our sponsor. Being offline for so much of my vacation and recovering in the weeks back, I've missed a lot. And while I was less active, PokePress was very active. My word. There's so many videos. There's this lovely Vaporeon cosplay video up. Like, holy crap, it is absolutely beautiful. And you can tell so much effort and thought went into it. 
as well as an interview with Simon Loveridge, who does this exceptional Pokemon cover of the SSN theme. Like, legit. Go listen to it. There's an unboxing video of Johto Legends, uh, the Celestial Storm pre-release, and that's a really good one for aspiring card players, um, because Steven talks about the event, but also a lot of the cards, and you can see the images on the camera, and he talks a bit about what they do, and how you might choose to employ them, which if you're new to the competitive Pokemon cards, and, you know, it's just like, there's so many cards, what's even a good strategy? I don't know. Like you know, where I am, that sort of talk will help you consider options besides just find the strong mons. Gives you some idea on how to use these new cards in an actual deck anyway. And and there's so much more, my goodness. If you have not been to the PokePress YouTube channel lately, head on over there. there. There's so many videos in the last few weeks and a wide gauntlet of topics for whatever type of Pokemon fan you are. Um, you can also find PokePress at pokepress.blogspot.com and I'll have links to those, those fun things in my blog page in the show notes. Um, and I'll give you that info at the end of the episode. So keep listening as we tackle advanced generation number 49. Masato to Masato. Ametama wo mamore. We open at a Pokemon Center. The kids have just arrived, and we all know uh, Brock's first item of business. But he's put a little bit of thought into this one. He went out and bought Nurse Joy roses before coming to the Pokemon Center. And all of the kids look a little apprehensive as to how that's going to go over. I just imagine there may have been a few times where Brock's antics have gotten them into a bit of trouble, like Nurse Joy finds there's suddenly no vacancies at the center, or isn't quite so full of customer service spirit. Or maybe it's not her, just Brock embarrasses them so bad they're like, well, we can never show our faces there again. I should say, I didn't include Ash in that all the kids statement, so really just two of the kids. Ash actually doesn't look so nervous, though his eyes are trained on Brock. <laughs> like, he may be oblivious in many ways, but that I don't get romance thing has not and has never applied to Brock's antics. Ash can't recognize that the Cottony are in love, can't process that he himself may or may not ha be having feelings, but by golly, he knows Brock's gonna all but attack Nurse Joy once they get into town. And he knows it's not because they're great friends. In fact, I kind of want to take Ash's inclusion in this shot of Brock presenting the roses and, and his mildly supportive staring as a deliberate choice. <laughs> like, I admit I'm not sure about Ash Ketchum's abilities as a wingman, but maybe he's had a talk with Brock after a certain Volbeat and Illumise incident, like, Girls don't dig this, Brock. No one digs this. Swear to Palkia, I was not feeling the love. You gotta rein it in. Whatever the case, on this occasion, Brock leads with flowers and gives Nurse Joy a second to actually express how she feels about the whole thing, and miracle of miracles, this one likes it. At the very least, receiving flowers has cheered her up. She's flattered and is now having a nice day. And when Brock does launch into his declarations of devotion, Nurse Joy doesn't really have time to respond to that due to the next character coming on the scene, but she's also not recoiling, so Brock may have finally found a shot at success here. I'm glad he's toning it down and finally made a female feel special and happy with his attention instead of really creeped out. 
Anyway, any further interactions between Nurse Joy and Brock are cut short by Mace Skitty letting itself out of its Pokeball. And just, you know, running wild, chasing its tail, being cute. Nurse Joy gets a Marilyn Monroe moment as she adores it. And as May's trying to exercise some control over her Pokemon, a mysterious kid walks up. Not mysterious in that we don't recognize him, but mysterious because we do. Oh, this boy looks a lot like Max. Sounds a lot like Max. In fact, in the Finnish dub, they use the same actor. Well, this boy comes in looking like Max, except a bit older and brown hair, and still in attitude. He complains that Max and his friends are making too much noise, and just because they have Pokemon doesn't mean you can do whatever you want. Like, he's so obviously trying to pick a fight. He wasn't even in the building when he started complaining. Just (laughs) Sometimes people complain for the sake of causing drama. But when Nurse Joy tries to calm this situation down, we learn that the copycat kid is named Max. Just like our Max. Max and Max. Masato and Masato. They have the same name, the same spelling, presumably. Maybe Masato's parents chose different kanji to spell his name with, but we'll never know. As for the English Max, there's no indication in the dialogue that he's spelled any differently. So unless someone gets a hold of the original script or his birth certificate, he's just brunette Max. And neither Max is too happy about having to share a name. I mean, they can barely share oxygen in this room. These two didn't like each other when they were unrelated strangers. Now that they have something in common, like, this is too much. One of them's gonna have to change their name. Obviously, that's not happening. And older Max walks off in a huff. Nurse Joy tries to mediate with the one Max left over, pointing out that both boys love Pokemon, and the other Max, you know, comes over here all the time to play with them, so that's something that they have in common. Brock makes it his personal mission to see the two boys make up and become friends, and Max is like, I see what you're doing there, but no way, Romeo. Meanwhile, uh, elsewhere, James of Team Rocket is having a sort of existential crisis. Happens every so often with Team Rocket. (laughs) He's been trying to stave off the feeling with enthusiasm and making routines, like we're gonna wake up early and wash and prepare for the new day of catching Pikachu. But in the end, the fight is too hard, and he's just like, I don't know what we're doing, guys. What's the meaning of it all? Why are we doing this to ourselves? So they've got to catch Pikachu or else. It's the only option to move past this funk and get back to having a life. (laughs) And Jesse and Meowth are like, yeah, that's too much effort for this time of day. I'm gonna go get a sandwich, which I feel represents the dialogue I have with myself pretty much every day. So while James is wondering where he went wrong in life, Max is making everyone around him miserable. Because even though he was told to get along, and that other Max is nowhere in sight, he just can't let it go that some other dude had the nerve to be born, several years before Max, by the looks of things, with the same name. And he's gonna remind his friends of this insult and bring down the party every chance he gets, whether or not it's relevant. I mean, we've all got that one person in our lives who's just, you know, got the one thing, and they can't let it go. Even though nobody brought the topic up, and nobody really cares that much anymore, (laughs) and you're just making your friends kind of regret inviting you, 
I mean, you definitely see that behavior in some adults. Like I said, we've all got the one friend. But and I get that Max is an actual kid operating with a child's logic and a child's brain development. Like, you know, little kids do this all the time. But Max, it is really so hard to like you today. And we're only five minutes into the episode. In fact, at this moment, the other Max who we've not spent episodes upon episodes bonding with, he's so much more pleasant because, you know, a Surskit pops up, a Pokemon on the screen, and the other Max is like, put on my happy face, there's a Pokemon, and starts showing us, you know, his good happy qualities that make, you know, make people like you. People care much more about the things that make you happy and the things you like than things that make you unhappy and that you dislike. Um, and May's much the same, but our Max is like, I am a sourpuss. Even with Pokemon in the vicinity, like, May tries to build a bridge, being like, that's a cool Pokemon. You seem to be friends with it, Strange Max. Tell me about it. She tries, she really does, but little Max is having none of it, and so Max the Elder is now too busy trying to drive off Max the Younger, and I hate both of them now. Ash and Brock wander up just as May's finally losing her temper, and if you're wondering where they were this whole time, I'm picturing the two of them chilling in a cafe somewhere, all like, please tell me Misty and I weren't that bad. Like, well, almost, but there was a bit less hitting. But they're back now, surprised to find that the two kids are still riled up and gunning for fights. Ash and Brock both have their parent voices on now, like... <laughs> I've mentioned that I love how in Hoenn, Ash and Brock have this new dynamic of being equals, and I especially love the sort of mom and dad unified front they tend to present when dealing with Max and May, but especially Max. Again, if I were coming into this show blind, I'd think Max was Ash's brother, not May's. But yeah, watching them kind of team up as mommy and daddy of this group is, is wonderful. While the bickering goes on, across the pond, Team Rocket is watching. James finally kicked his friends into gear, and he's a little shocked to find one of the twerps cloned themselves. <laughs> like, I know that kid's got some weird adventures, but... <laughs> anyway, two Maxes is not half as important as the Surskit. It's a cute, graceful Pokémon, and Meowth postulates giving it to the boss to lift his spirits. I mean, a happy mob boss is one who doesn't fire you or drop you in the river with concrete shoes, but I'm interested that all Meow's boss fantasies of late um, and his Pokemon stealing plans revolve around trying to keep Giovanni in a good mood. I mean, has his mental health been in question lately? When I'm an evil overlord, I hope my minions are so concerned about whether or not I'm happy. So the plan is set, and meanwhile, Ash and Brock are going with their help-everyone-get-along plan, which is bond over Pokémon. Nine times out of ten, it works. The three trainers all let out their Pokémon and encourage both Maxes to play with them. It serves dual purpose and gets the Maxes talking about the one thing they both love and could never put down, Pokémon. And it gives May a chance to introduce Skitty to the rest of the traveling party, some of them haven't formally met yet. And it gives Team Rocket a chance to get distracted, because remember, Jesse also kind of likes Skitty. But no, eyes on the prize. They jump out of the bushes like, we're here to steal Sir Skit! As if Ash is just gonna calm down and move out of the way once he finds they're not going for Pikachu. <laughs> 
Uh, but since he won't, it's a good thing Team Rocket has been practicing their football game. Cross-training, I guess. They move that ball up the field like pros, and the whole thing is a distraction to get the twerps to focus on the ball. And then after an unexpected handoff to Trico, go for Surskit. And since they can repel Pikachu's electricity, well, I'm not sure what I watched, but I think Team Rocket was kind of brilliant. Equal parts ridiculous, but effective. Until Skitty, because Skitty don't play by the same rules. Skitty plays its own game, <laughs> and it thinks Jessie's hair is a cat toy. And once it latches onto her hair with its claws, well, priorities, Jessie's hair is more important than catching Sir Skit. She flings off the kitty cat and runs. Uh, unfortunately, so does Sir Skit. All that activity scared it, and like any sane Pokemon, it got out of there. Biddy Max sees some water spots that could be footprints, so the gang tries to find Surskit and make sure it's okay, and they'd better get to that, because the male half of Team Rocket is mowing down the forest in their latest robot. James, for one, is not leaving empty-handed. Jessie is with the team, too, but she's <laughs> distracted. <laughs> Just look at that hair. It, it needs attention. And when the twerps run into the tank, you know, everyone laughs at her hair, but we all know Jessie doesn't take kindly to that, and so she uses the giant hammer that was installed on the mech to start playing whack-a-mole with the twerps. And James and Meowth are like, whoa there, theft not murder, theft not murder. <laughs> with a giant whack, the kids are separated. Ashbrock and Pikachu go flying off in one direction, May and Max squared in the other. Ash is the best. He's climbing back up the cliff like, I will never be able to figure those three out as long as I live. But though separated, the two groups are united in their plan to find Surskit before Team Rocket. Especially since one third of Team Rocket is running on pure rage. And as they do so, the Maxes come to a bit of an understanding. You see, older Max isn't on a Pokemon journey of his own, though he looks to be about the right age or very close to it. And he thought little Max uh, was Skitty's trainer when they first met, because Skitty was close to Max, and certainly seemed to be giving Max more attention than it was given to its own trainer. So Big Max was a little jealous and thought this little kid was making fun of him with a lot of his comments about Pokemon earlier. Meanwhile, our Max wants so badly to be on his own journey and training a Pokemon of his own, so he sees this kid who is of a journeying age with a Pokemon partner he loves. He's a bit jealous, too. But they're getting along now, and they, and they talk. They head deep into the forest, checking out all the wet areas where Surskit liked to hang out, and try not to get run over by Team Rocket in the process. My word, Jesse, that's a lot of anger you're getting out there. Yeesh. Her teammates are more than a little concerned, uh, but Team Rocket corners the Maxes, May and Surskit, at this spring in the forest, and the Maxes plan to battle Cacnea and Surviper with Surskit. It is two against one, but I see Taylo in the sky. I bet Ash is not far behind. So yeah, Max squared, go nuts! Since Surskit can just skim across the top of the water, using agility gets it a lot of speed, and being on the water, you know, Cacnea, for one, can't swim. Surviper has some better luck, but before it can hit with Poison Tail, Surskit scurries away and busts up a small dam in the spring with Water Pulse. 
yeah, it's water pulse shattered solid rock, guys. And with that, the rest of the spring floods. Source gets fine, it just rides on top of the water, but Team Rocket's Pokemon are washed away. And so is Team Rocket and their mecha. This is not the end for them, no, Team Rocket doesn't wash up far, but Jesse rising up out of the water like the creature from the Black Lagoon or or that creepy girl from the ring. Like, you thought her hair couldn't get any worse, but she is a total zombie too, like, give me the surskit. Her own teammates are looking away, like, don't make eye contact. Like, even the older Max just stares for a minute instead of running away. It's up to May and her skitty to beat Jesse back. Ash arrives and has Pikachu fire a thunderbolt. Team Rocket still has the Rapella umbrella, but Sir Skit's bubble beam knocks that out of their hands, and then they're sitting ducks. So Team Rocket blasts off, and well, the two Maxes made a good team. And now they have to say goodbye, but this time they are parting with shaking hands and kind words, the setting sun of friendship. According to the credits, uh, Masaki Iwane was the key animator uh, for this episode. I mean, if you couldn't tell, like, goodness, he looked like he was having fun with Jesse today. <laughs> As for the characters and the plot, you know, it's not out of character for Max to have acted like this. As I said, like, this is an episode where he totally acted his age from start to finish. He's a, he's a child. But ugh, it was rough to get through. And I wonder if I might have felt differently if I were the actual target age of this audience, where, you know, those sorts of problems and interactions would be relevant to me. But watching it as an adult, I'm just like, oh my gosh. And, like, I wish some of the slightly more mature characters were around to give me something to care about. Like a B-plot with Ash and Brock or something. Because neither of the Maxes are likable when they act like this. And that gives me an interesting thought when it comes to creating likable characters in writing, because it's something that a lot of people have thoughts and opinions about. And I wonder if whether or not a character is perceived as well-rounded and likable and believable depends a lot on what age you are. Like, a character that seems completely unlikable and irredeemable and annoying, what if they're just younger than you? And people who are in the same age group as the character are going like, yeah, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, that was me last week. Totally how I see the world. Because as much as it is irritating for me to watch the two Maxes fight, it is very silly of me to expect them to be having the same types of interpersonal conflicts that Ash, Brock, or May have, or that Nurse Joy and Officer Jenny would theoretically have. And so the moral payoff of the two Maxes fighting doesn't feel worth it to me, but maybe for an actual little kid who will very easily get worked up over a fit of jealousy and that kid has the same name and that kid has Pokemon and I don't, maybe to watch them go through this meant a little more of a something. I don't know, like there's not a lot of kids that would sit still long enough for me to have this discussion with them or be able to verbalize how they felt about it if they could. But I do find it interesting to consider, like, as characters, I could not stand either of them if there was longer than an episode's worth of time spent with the two of them. I wouldn't be able to take it, you know, a book or a movie about the two of them and their conflict. I would have shut it off. I'd be like, nope, 
can't do it. Both of them are completely unlikable, and I can't get behind any of them or root for either of them. It's so ridiculous, and I can't relate. Yet, before those kids age, their motivations and their behaviors are entirely on point. So everything that I perceive as unrelatable and almost unrealistic is, in fact, completely relatable to actual children and completely realistic. And that's, again, just an interesting paradox and thing to consider, I guess, as you as you create characters. But anyway, that ends the episode. I will come back to you next time with Advanced Generation number 50. And if you want to keep up with the podcast, uh, you can visit us at pcappypodcast.blogspot.com. I can also be found on Facebook or Twitter. Much as I am kind of a rare Pokemon on those platforms, I'm an old lady who does not live on the internet in the way some of my associates do. But I'm working on the social media things, and I do enjoy them, so you can find the podcast there. You can also send an email to pcappypodcast at gmail.com. But most of all, thank you for listening, and until next time, this has been Pcappy Podcast. Gotta catch them all. Pikachu!